Howdy, Katie. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Oh, I'm I'm fine. It's stressful, you know, stressful month, year, life, that sort of thing. But I'm good. It's a stressful. Well, it's actually probably going to be a very stressful year, but hopefully your year isn't too stressful yet. What's making your year so stressful? I, I would just like the holidays and everything, you know, lots of travel and, mm. and you know, money stuff and all that work. Fair. But soon I'll be off of yeah. work for a very long time. So that'll be good. Oh, that's good. Do you get PT for, so do you want to share why or is that? Yeah, I'm, not I'm, something I'm having share? bottom surgery in like 27 days. So um, yeah, I'll be off work for three months and, uh, and yeah, I'll get paid two thirds of my normal hours for it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That is good. That's honestly better than I got when I had surgery. It was kind of a nightmare. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's, um, I think it's better than unfortunately a lot of people uh, get. And that's why I work at Starbucks, you know? So yeah. yeah. We love when Starbucks pays for trans people to get the care they need, even though there's so many hoops and caveats on that. Um, We do not love the other things Starbucks is doing is a personal statement I am making. Yes. Not on behalf of, of anyone else here. Same. Like, I mean, no, no, it's fine. I mean, like, you know, and we, we have this conversation at work all the time, you know, like it's, again, you know, I don't, I don't simp for Starbucks. Like I'm not representative of, of the brand. I work there, so they will pay for my surgeries. And, you know, at some point I won't work there anymore. So. Good. 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 Yeah. I am getting a little stir crazy because we had like snow days for two days. Oh, really? It snowed in the roads. Like we, Caden, or yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd never expect it to snow in Nebraska in January, but um, it did. It's been very warm in Chicago. Is why I was surprised. Oh, really? I mean, very warm. It's like thirty-seven. Yeah. Usually, it's like Candy and I live on like. A hill. Oh, yeah. So it's good for like avoiding flooding, but it's bad for driving when it's super icy. And it keeps doing a thing where it just like defrosts just a little, but then the temperature just keeps plummeting. So it's just ice. That's no good. And yeah, um, yeah so I'm going stir crazy. Uh, but getting some work done, which is nice. Your 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 room looks um, so much better than last time I talked to you. Oh, yeah. The art studio. Yeah. There's still a little organizing that needs to get done, but it's it's getting better. Um, yeah. So this is Totally Trans, and this is a discussion episode where we're talking about an MVT, that's Most Valuable Teammate episode, um, that Apoyuk was on. And we're going to talk about the Apoyuk documentary. And actually, we have some sports news that's really exciting that I want to talk about, too. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. But... Well, let's start with the news, actually, which is, so the PWHL, which is the Professional Women's Hockey League, just started their first season last week, Uh, and they've been having, like, record-breaking attendances, and it's just really exciting. That's nice. Um, Yeah. So please support the PWHL. You can watch the games for free on their YouTube channel. Um, I'm having, like, some friends over to watch a game tonight. Um, is there an Omaha team? Because just no. So the PWHL has a, a couple U.S. teams. So there's 
so Minnesota is the team I am rooting for because that's the closest one, even though they're they're like five hours away. What are they called? Um, but the what's the Minnesota team? It's literally just Minnesota. There's no, There's no... team names. Oh, yet. Okay, okay. There's no team names or logos. It was literally formed oh. this like last August. Okay. Um. So the teams are, there's Boston, Minnesota, and New York are the three U.S. teams. And then Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm personally cheering on Minnesota right now because that is the team I can actually potentially go see a couple times. Yeah. Uh, so I'm planning on going to a few games. Um, yeah. Rad. Um, my uh, my friend Cassie uh, was very active in uh, in hockey in high school and college and everything, and so I'm sure I'm going to see her tonight. So I'll I'll ask her about it, and I'm sure she's I'm sure she knows all about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I also grew up playing hockey, and then my mom was like a hockey coach and a women's hockey captain on a team oh, wow. when I was little. So all of our babysitters were like these um, as high up in women's hockey as you could get players that were all like post college playing mm. um the equivalent of like women's triple a and uh we had just these terrifying tall athletic babysitters um and then our mother who we knew could like put any of them through the glass even though she's like not even five feet tall terrifying woman. oh wow um and that's why i'm this way actually I was just about my mother to blames herself for me being like this <laughs> and i would just like to say yes in in this one particular way yeah. This is where she is correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the more I learn about um, your family, Ada, I swear, like, you've had quite a life. It's it's a fascinating one. I think everybody's had quite a that's life. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um. So that's, that's the exciting little sports news, everyone. Support the PWHL. Also, if you like uh, women's basketball, which we all know I do, um, Caitlin Clark, who plays for Iowa, which is... Um, Another team that's comparatively close to me, and I want to go catch a few games, just absolutely dominating right now and really worth watching. But um, for the not sports fans out there who are more interested in culture things, uh, we're going to talk about the documentary Apoyuk a little bit. So, Katie, what did you think of Apoyuk, the documentary, not the person that is my friend? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't know the person that is your friend, Um, so that'll be easy. Um, She seems great. Uh, the, um, the movie was, was great. It was really beautiful. Um, I would have loved to have, um, to have watched like a feature length, uh, version. I think the, um, uh, the Iditarod is really fascinating. I've always been kind of obsessed with the Iditarod ever since I was like a little kid. Um, I read, uh, Winter Song by Gary Paulson when I was in college, which is nonfiction about him doing the Iditarod. Um, and when I was like, in my early 20s, I designed and I and I did a rod themed uh, board game um, where you like, you know, recruit your dogs and like have to get supplies and like uh, it's extremely nerdy. It never got out of the uh, prototype phase. So uh, maybe one day I'll I'll revisit that. But um, but yeah, so it was it was really interesting. Um, yeah, I would have loved to have seen, you know, just more like kind of getting into the uh um, the mechanics of like how that race works and everything, because it's, um, I think it's very, it's very interesting. It's a little bit different, um, than I think a lot of people, um, understand what a race is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's, that's actually something I think is really interesting is it's definitely an endurance sport. 
But where a lot of endurance sports, it's also kind of like the quicker you get it done normally, the less horrible it is. Or I guess like the, the that's that's backwards. The like the quicker, you, like the Iditarod, the quicker you get it done, the less horrible it is. Other stuff where it's like, oh, if you push harder and go faster, it's going to be a, a worse, it's a harder, more difficult experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, which definitely for like, a, there's a challenge curve. But, like, being the last person to complete the Iditarod is not pleasant. It's like, oh, yes, you were you were going through horrible cold for, like, another day longer than yeah, everyone else. Yeah, And you managed not to die. Congratulations. Yeah, that's the, um, um, the, um, the thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's also, like, it's also very solitary and very, like, contemplative, I think. And very, you know, um, no, I stop. I, I, I don't know what I was going to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're gonna have to edit this one. Sorry. No, I think that I, I I'm not going to. <laughs> it's solitary and content content of con that is a word I can't say today, apparently. Contemptible. But I no, think that, contemplative. Yeah. Yes, contemptible. Contemplative. Yeah, we love a stutter. Is I think a good description of it, but it's also something that I think you see in a lot of more endurance sports, is it's such a mental game oh, for sure yeah more so than like i think other things where it's like you need to get into this flow state to perform in like a fast-paced sports like the sports that i tend to play um which tend to be be like much faster reflexive a lot of like high like hit like high intensity stuff um it's it's like this flow state where you're kind of becoming not necessarily mindful in the same way where it's like you're aware of a sensory experience. It's like very reactive versus things um, like what Chris Mosier does with like these marathons or a Poyuk with the Adirat or anyone who's doing these like cross country or like long sports. I think it is like a very mindful experience Yeah, because it's like the sensory aspects of it are so important. I had a tour de France phase as well when I was, um, like in in high school uh or whenever whenever Lance Armstrong was 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 winning you know before i mean obviously that was a as a whole different conversation but <laughs> you know it did it did get a lot of people into into watching the Tour de France and the Tour de France is similar in a lot of ways in that it's you know very long and takes place over a huge amount of 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 um you know area but it's so different from the way that it's the way that it's run you know like it's this is the Iditarod is you're against, you know, nature more than anything. And you're, you're racing against in a, in a way yourself, you know, like you're not, I mean, there's not like a million people on the, on the track, like with all, with like running against each other and like, like, you know, dogs nipping at one another. It's not like a, a Ben-Hur situation with dogs in the snow, um, which is, I think how people probably picture uh, the Iditarod, if they don't know anything about it. Yeah. 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 It's very like spread out long distances. I think there is also just something beautiful about it that it's not quite a Luddite sport, but it's like a sport that's outside of. Sorry. Now my dog dogs. Yelling. A sport that's outside of a lot of the technology. Oh, yeah. And technological innovations that I feel like have dominated a lot of other sports. Um, like fencing, a sport that I do, has these very clear like technological innovations and changes over time 
that if you look at what is being done in it, both from like a technique and strategy and equipment perspective now versus like a hundred years ago, it's like a completely unrecognizable sport. Cause like it just the, looks completely different. You've got the sensors and everything that say when you've been hit and all that. Like, is that what you're talking about? Like what technological advances have happened in fencing? Yeah. I just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that actually is such a good example of like, because of now the judging is electronic, there's like so much of it that is strategy built around like setting off your, the sensor when you make a touch versus being able to like sell that you made a touch and made the touch first to the judge, which is used to be a big part of fencing. And actually I've been looking at, um, what's oh, it really? called? Like there's, there was it bluffing KDF, the, like German traditional fencing. There wasn't necessarily bluffing, but that's like, actually there kind of still is because to a degree um, with the events where you need right of way to score, um, making a show of like claiming right of way is part of it. Um, I don't know what that means either. I don't know anything it, about like, fencing. Sorry. So that's like, so to score a point in uh, saber and, uh, oh my God, saber and foil fencing, you need to have right of way, which means that like you are the attacker. Oh, so like it's, sir, it's um, if you have the serve in like tennis or volleyball or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's very similar to that. Um, but there are ways to claim that by not just like, like parry repost, which is like you block and then attack. But uh, when you're doing your initial attack, you have to be the one that kind of like claims the right of way from like the judge's perspective. Um, And that is kind of a bluff, but now we're off topic. So what fencing looks like now is completely different from like a hundred years ago versus dog racing. While like, if you look at the materials of the equipment and a lot of, if you look really close at it, you'll be like, oh, this has changed a lot from that perspective. But the actual like thing being done is the same. Yeah. It's it's just like you are just traveling across these like untouched, unchanging landscapes. With a bunch just, of dogs. Just again, you're just still doing yeah. it with a bunch of dogs, yeah. which the dogs do now wear cute little shoes. I don't I know, know when the dogs started wearing cute little shoes. It's been a while. But I love the at cute least. little dog yeah. shoes. It's been a while. I yeah. think they've been wearing shoes. I think that the book that I that I read in middle school or whatever, like, um, or I guess it was older than that. Um, I think it's from 1990 or something. And I'm pretty sure he talks about the shoes and stuff then. So, yeah. Um, but the shoes don't change how the dogs like run and move. No. It's largely the same. There's still, it's still dogs pulling you on a sled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I cried watching this thing, but like, you know, dogs running and, and like a, a, a song playing will make me cry all any, all the time, you know, like show me a horizon <laughs> and some dogs and I'm, I'm there, you know, like, and you're there and that's all you yeah. need. You could race dogs or at the very least you could do like cross country and just like, or like a marathon. I love dogs. Do you need to do yeah. like, yeah. Well, you should do I should, dog. I feel like it's probably a big investment. I should get 12 of them, you think? Yeah. I don't think you have to own all 12 of well, them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, renting the dogs probably costs more money than I have also, but yeah. 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 I'm much more likely Not to a, get into that than, you know, football. So, okay. I mean, something interesting also about it from a cultural perspective as a sport is for Poyak, it's also... And the documentary... I, I also wish it was longer and I would love to see kind of like 
it returned to in a few years and become like a feature length thing. Because one, I think it's interesting to sort of see her relationship with these dogs. Yeah, yeah, I wanted, yeah, I wanted because to know it, that, yeah. Yeah, because that is like a year-round thing. Um, and I'd highly recommend following her on like all the social medias and seeing a bit of that. But also the mo- the documentary kind of touches on a little like her relationship to this as an Indigenous woman and an Indigenous trans woman doing this sport. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is interesting and kind of also makes this stand out a little differently from, from like, like football, for example, which is a very modern sport, um, or like roller derby or even like rugby, um, to be like a very, a very particular thing, um, that I think like makes it resonate on a level that feels more, more impactful from like an intergenerational perspective. Yeah, I wonder. And I guess that's some something people get from marathons too, is the idea. So it's like this callback to this ancient thing. That's true. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I wondered if there was like a, if there's a tradition in her family of, of mushing or at least, you know, uh, raising dogs or, or something like that. Well, so her dad also does okay. race dogs. Um, sorry. <laughs> I heard. Again, my dog's yelling. Yeah. Um, but her dad is not indigenous. Her dad is from Nor- Norway. Okay. Her dad is Norwegian. And then her, her mom is indigenous. Um, but then she has like this really, she she comes from like a big community of like dog racers. Yeah. And then like the a larger tradition of it. Yeah, it's really cool. And that's something I'd love to see explored more. I have a, I have a tiny criticism. Uh, of the movie itself, not of the not of the woman, um, who I'm sure is lovely, but every documentary about a trans woman has to include a scene of of them putting on makeup, and I guess it's just this kind of like, well, we have to do it, you know, like, um, but it's uh, every the, time the I see it, it kind of gives me a little and... like, okay, all right. <laughs> Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Yeah, the putting on makeup and her taking her shot are both very, yeah. very much the like, these are the required two shots mm-hmm. for a cis audience yeah, yeah. whenever you make something about a trans person. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was curious, actually, I was like, I wonder, is she going to do the eyeliner for the entire race? Because that would <laughs> actually rule. But then she didn't. And I'm like, yeah, that makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, my mascara freezes walking outside in Chicago. So I can't even imagine. Yeah. The uh, the dogs are on one They want to race. Are we having a lot of packages delivered? Yeah, they can. They want to race. They feel the call. They feel the call of, of the, wild. the wild. Yeah, exactly. It's the snow on the ground. Uh, yeah. yeah, I. that's what it is. I don't think either of them would enjoy that. <laughs> What kind of dogs do you like? So Oso's a Rottweiler, and he does very much enjoy playing in the snow, but he doesn't really do a lot of, like, endurance stuff at all. And then Otto, whose name stands for, his name is 
it's A-U-T-O. Like he, it's automatic transmission is his full name. Um, Can you tell that Caden is a car lesbian? (laughs) Um, So my dad would appreciate a dog named Otto actually. Yeah. Yeah. He's a sweet. My dad was also um, a car lesbian. (laughs) Uh, Well, so he's a, a golden retriever, German shepherd mix. And He's like the world's biggest sweetie. Yeah. He has no thoughts in his head. Um, and he like gives up when we like walk to the coffee shop in Mac, <laughs> which is like a maybe 10 minute walk yeah, from here. Yeah. He'll he'll be so done by the time we're home. He's like turning back and looking at me and he's like, can we stop? Can we please stop? Um, I had a dog like that before. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I don't think either of them are. Oops. There's going to be so many random noises. Uh, I don't think either of them are going to be running the I Did Rock. They're not going to make it to Anchorage, much less Gnome. Yeah. No, they're not going to. I don't think they're going to make it like to the out airport. of the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They are car dogs. Mm-hmm. They love a they love a car ride. Uh, not big on long distance walks. Fair enough. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think that that's. Do you have any other thoughts on the documentary? It's beautifully shot. People should go watch it. It is, and watch yeah, it and free it's it's free. YouTube. Yeah, it's free on YouTube. Um, it's really, yeah, it is. It's really beautiful. Um, it's got a, it's got a couple of great needle drops. Um, I love uh, uh, Mercury Rev. Uh, so much you don't hear them that often anymore, especially in in movies. So uh, love that. That's um, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, you should watch it. It's fifteen minutes long. Can you hear the dogs? Oh yeah digging through their toy bucket in the other room. Oh, is that what it is? I need to, yeah, I need to soundproof the studio a little better. Or maybe I just need to put the dogs either outside or downstairs when recording. I'm still figuring out the living with them and recording in the new space. I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, y'all listeners can tell us, but like, I know like podcasts that I listen to, if there's like a a cat, like a, a guest cat or a guest dog, like people are usually pretty into it, you know? They want to hear the animals. Yeah. It's not like that's yeah, standing right next to you just barking incessantly. You know, it's a different thing. Yeah. Um, speaking of Patreon, uh, I'm, I'm, I still need to edit it because it needs a lot of editing. But for our patrons, I've recorded a big chunk of my COVID, my COVID brain pandemic vampire novel. Oh, my God. Um, as a Patreon exclusive. So I'll be uploading that soon if people are interested in that. This, and depending on the reception. Is this an erotic vampire novel or? No, okay. it, do- it does have some sections. I won't describe any of it as necessarily like sexual or erotic. Okay. Um, but it does have like a lot of gender. It's like very much like a trans vampire novel. The premise of it is it's the story of a vampire who has to become human again so that she can transition that's rad well like yeah um so if that sounds interesting to you what's it called check out the patreon uh so the original title i was working on was 13 moons okay um because she has to i have bad news for you transition like like there's a famous oh it's so there's a famous novel called 13 moons yeah yeah, By I'm very aware. Charles Frazier, I think. Um, I, yeah. yeah. Um, the there's also I, several other books called 13 Moons and like a comic. I think there's a video game. 
there's a movie, there's stores. Sure, sure, yeah. There's, um, yeah. So that was my working title, but I don't, it never got like a, a final title. So if you is it listen to that. Huh? Is it finished? Like, is the story finished? It's not. Okay. The the outline's finished, but um, we'll see if people like the first sort of three quarters, and then I'll maybe actually write the ending. Okay. And then we'll see where it goes from there. Oh my god, I have so many um, books like that. Um, I I want to revisit. Like, I've thought about doing like AO3 and like starting like putting them up chapter by chapter, and then if people start reading it, then that'll give me the impetus to like finish it. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I've got a. I've got like we can four or five. S- three quarters of the way finished novels rotting away on Google drive. Yeah. We can start posting content like that too on Splendor Queer. Um, yeah. I also might publish on the topic of games. I might publish the, I have like a prototype board game I made a few years ago uh-huh. when I was teaching a class on like game design um, that I found. And I'm like, Oh, I should put this up on Splendor Queer as like a little donate what you'd want PDF version. And then maybe I'll, if there's any interest in that, that maybe we'll, we'll publish one. Um, I don't know. Figuring out the things in 2024, since I have access to manufacturers and publishing, and I guess I should actually just be, should we just become publishers? Should we just start (laughs) publishing stuff? I mean, listen, I have, I've got lots of things written and only like three things published. So I'd be happy to, yeah, let's let's get on that. Um, anywho, I don't know if I have anything else yeah. on the docket to talk about today outside of those things. Do you have anything you want to talk about before we 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 head our, our ways? No, no, it's a 15 minute movie. We talked for 30 minutes. That seems reasonable. That seems very reasonable. Okay. Well, where can people find you these days? I don't fucking know. Um, in Chicago. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least, at least for another like twenty-seven days. In which case, I'll be in Ohio for laying down for God knows how long. Um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm still on Twitter at Katie of the Lake. Um, I'm technically on Blue Sky also, but I don't know. I just don't get the vibe. Yeah, I'm starting to just post more on Blue Sky. I still haven't really found kind of my my niche there. But I'm starting to be there. And then I'm also, I've been good about posting on TikTok. Oh, yeah. The last two weeks. I've seen when you posted so on Instagram. On Blue Sky yeah. TikTok. I, don't, I don't know. I don't want to like get into TikTok because I feel like it'll take over my whole life. And I've got enough things taking over my life at the moment. That's valid. Yeah. I've been playing Baldur's um, Gate 3. Have you played Baldur's Gate 3? I haven't. I it really seems like it's something it, you would like. I've heard, I, I'd probably really like it. I don't think there will be like a switch port of it ever. No. Um, and my like art computer might be able to run it. It's got like a decent graphics card. My my um, MacBook Pro from 2020 runs it, but it chugs. Um, so far, I haven't really had any major issues. Sometimes in the like dialogue scenes, they'll just like say something and then they'll like it doesn't freeze, but there's just been this long pause as it starts loading the rest of the dialogue. That's pretty much the only problem. Like in the actual like gameplay parts, it's not an issue. Yeah. My research right now. So it's been increasingly getting into generative AI for design. And that's led me to some interesting stuff, which of doing like some generative. <laughs> that's Ozo again. Some generative AI art, um, not from 
uh, perspective of like, oh, we just make, we're doing graphic design with this. Uh, we've been doing some work on like uh, generative AI as an artistic medium and like what can be done with that, which I think is really fascinating. Um, if you're interested in that, look up the International Design Engineering Technology Conference. And uh, we, are, we are accepting papers until I think mid-February on um, creative applications of generative AI. So we're doing, and that can be anything like menu generation, like food menu generation to whatever. Um, but we're really interested in seeing like what can be done with this as a design medium more than just like, well, you can shit out stuff that plagiarizes yeah, stuff. Yeah. So that's not interesting to yeah. me. Um, but this has led us so to- So using it for good is what you're some, saying. Yeah. And trying to see like what it is as an art medium and lay down like a technical and like philosophical basis for that. And that's leading me into some video game art because there's this thing called like the oatmeal problem, which is in procedural generation, a lot of um, like you can make these infinite worlds, but it's like it's oatmeal because it's all kind of like it's every bite is technically different, but it all tastes the same. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So I've been working on like, how do you bridge the oatmeal problem with generative methods and computational cognition? Um and now the next step on that is I think I need to build a better computer for my office and uh, I might, or I guess for my laboratory, um, and I might use that as an excuse to then put like a personal Steam account on it too and play some video games, sure. which is technically research. That's, That's true. Within it. That's good for you. That would be what yeah, a dream. That would be also for the record for the tax reasons. I will purchase those games that I play on that with my personal funds, obviously. Yeah. But I think I need to kind of understand. It seems like Baldur's Gate is maybe the thing to measure it on as far as this current adventure world exploration goes. Mm -hmm. um, and But I have been keeping up with like some of the indie game developments on this. Anywho, that's a whole other podcast episode. Sure. So, At what point, Ada, do you stop calling it a laboratory and start calling it a laboratory? Is there a certain like number of years that you... Okay, so I've actually been thinking about this. Uh -huh. Of course um, you have. Because I'm surprised. No, so be and the reason for this is because I think the word laboratory highlights kind of the etymology of laboratory. Labor. Yeah, is it's it's a place where you go to labor. And I think that is really fascinating. So I think I'm, I want to start calling it like the laboratory. Um, <laughs> like this is like the place where we go and we work because we're doing some really weird research there. And especially with this new student I have coming in, who's going to be working on kind of like specifically these like generative art and game problems. Um, I think like, it's not really like laboratory doesn't feel like it fits anymore, yeah. but I really like being like the laboratory. Like yeah. this is the place where we go to work on these creative and scientific endeavors. Yeah. And hopefully DD doesn't mess everything up. Yes, 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 yes. We, we must um, launch. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to go with this. <laughs> launch her into a volcano. Yeah. I don't know. What, the moon, I don't know what he does whatever. It's been a long time. Um, this is a Dexter's lab. Joke oh yeah. Sorry. The people. Sorry, who sorry, children. Are not '90s kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do. I know. Seriously, though, I love that. I yeah. The um um yeah. The the root being labor is um is a good thing to remember for sure. 
Yeah. Okay. Well. Bye. bye. <laughs>